Hey, everybody. Welcome to Taurus Tech Talk. I'm Robert Parsons. i got my counterpart, Corey Church, here with us today. And joining us on the show, we have Mr. Michael Hooper with Biamp, and we have Mr. Clayton Mills with Highway Marketing. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so Clayton um, is he's on the show for the second time. I'm a time. veteran. Veteran, yeah. A veteran. Yeah. I mean, two times as a veteran in this show already. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, with nine episodes out there, yeah, I think that works. And Mr. Mr. Hooper is the rookie for today. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to give him the hardest time. We'll, we'll make all the questions and banter the most difficult for him. Right. He's hoping to be MVP by the end of end of the hour. Nice. Okay. Um, so why don't you, why don't we start with with Mike and why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Biamp? At Biamp, I'm a regional sales manager. My territory is North Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. I'm basically their point of contact for all sales, technical, whatever it might need to be in that area. Great. And so do you do you get to interface with customers and us in the pro AV reseller market? So I do interface a lot with end users and integrators alike. Um, I also target specific consultants in the area, but Biamp is growing and changing now. So we have a lot more people added to the team and they have very specific roles. So we do have new consultant only people and new enterprise account only people but with the relationships that we've formed over the years we still try to maintain those as well so i noticed you said north texas oklahoma and arkansas um i just gotta say i mean north texas it's it's awesome and north the texas. you get a whole other states but you just get us here in north texas well north texas is the size of a state let's be clear i think that's debatable I mean, I mean, I live in Texas, so I don't I, want you to get the wrong impression. Have you ever looked at a map? Rhode Island is probably the size of DFW. Man, I, if I was good at anything in school, it was geography. So whenever I say North Texas, do you think I mean just what we in the DFW area call North Texas? I feel like you I mean... I should say Northern Texas, because it's more or less everything north. Let's like say like Waxahachie and up. Yeah, sure. Waxahachie. Waxahachie. Why would you say Waxahachie? That's <laughs> such a that's weird city. the first city. town I came to. Waco. Because it's Waco. south of Dallas. Like Waco. Waco. That, I mean, that's like borderline central line. Texas. I don't know about that. Okay. How'd you not you get Austin? draw the line somewhere, you know? I'm not cool enough to have Austin. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, 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 you like, like would fit debatable. in Austin. Uh, um, saying you don't fit in in Dallas. Just kidding. So for those that didn't uh, get to watch the, the first podcast with Clayton, Clayton, tell us a little bit about your role at Highway Marketing. Sure. I'm a sales manager over territory of North Texas uh, for Highway Marketing, and uh, I call on the integrators and consultants in the area on behalf of the uh, 11 manufacturers we represent right now. So including Sure, Allen Heath, QSC, Listen Technologies, K&M, et cetera, et cetera. Very cool. I think I listed all of them last time, or tried to at least. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They can, they can look you up. Yeah. And sometimes it changes, so we get that. It too. recently changed, and it's changing again soon. So. Okay. Yeah. That's that's news to us. So, and in case um, the the viewers don't already know, we've brought to what we think are the brightest minds in pro AV audio. I don't know why you already started laughing. I was, I was going to say it with a straight face. Um, no, seriously. I mean, we, we depend a lot on both of these guys uh, to help us as integrators ensure that we're doing right by the customer, that we're doing right by ourselves. And so we thought it'd be great to have them on. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the technologies that they're both very familiar with and maybe give, give you a little education on what's happening in the market and what you're going to be seeing in the future. So before we get into all of that, um well hold on let's let's not miss a step that we've done in in our, our recent podcasts okay <laughs> all right michael t 
tell us a little bit about yourself. What outside of the pro EV world are you into? What is something that the uh, listeners might not know anything about? Um, I'm into torturing myself. What? With, You're going to uh, have to explain that further. <laughs> That's not this kind of podcast. I do triathlons and long distance endurance events. So a lot of Ironman training. How long so, have you been doing that? I've only been doing it for about two, two and a half years, maybe. Okay, you... so what made you get the idea, this is something that I want to start doing? It was kind of twofold. My wife started making me run because she decided we're going to run a 5K. And I couldn't run. Running is the worst. It still is. But she said, we're going to do this. And we signed up for one. It was called the Donut Dash. <laughs> and we... <laughs> We were like, it sounds like a good one to start with. <laughs> well, okay, so I Don't talked her into the idea of, okay, we'll sign up for this, but we're just going to do the one-mile fun run and just see how it goes. Well, we went down the one-mile fun run route and missed the turnaround, so we ended up doing the whole 5K. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first 5K, and it was miserable, and I hated it. was probably it. best and that I you made that mistake. a whole bunch of it. And at the end, they gave us beer and donuts, and it was like 8 in the morning, so I was like, well, this is... This is actually a fun sport. <laughs> so, so I look at my brother-in-law, who has also been training and doing Ironman and triathlon competitions for a long time. And I was like, well, if he can do it, I ought to be able to do it. Because we grew up, um, or we swam together in high school. So I've got a swimming background, and I've always been fond of bicycling. Turns out I'm not actually very good at it. But if you're mediocre at swimming, biking, and running, then you're a triathlete. <laughs> So that's what I do. Oh, I've seen some of your times on Facebook. You've you've done really good times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you just recently finished an event, like yeah, last last weekend. Last weekend, I was at nationals. Um, I did a well enough this past year at a couple races to qualify, and you can probably still see on my arm. I have mm -hmm. they give us these temporary tattoos. I don't know if you can see it there, and they don't come off. <laughs> <laughs> at all yeah I actually yesterday when i saw you i thought something was wrong with well you. it probably has then, to go through a lot i mean you're swimming you're biking you're sweating so i get that sunscreen it's like like a henna tattoo yes it is on there and most triathletes they'll like shave you know because every second counts and i don't <laughs> so it gets caught up into like all of your hair and everything so yeah you should so how did you do in your most recent event two hours and five minutes for an olympic distance yeah. triathlon okay uh, okay good I did very, very good. Good, yeah. Not well enough to represent Team USA at Worlds, but I am going to be representing Team USA at Worlds for off-road triathlon. That's cool, man. Almir, Netherlands in 2020. Wow, so, that's, that's incredible. Awesome. So apparently wow, we've had golden record artists in here, and now we have a, a USA team member. Yeah. Ah, wow. If you're not listening to this podcast, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> so Clayton... Tell us something about yourself that we, we don't know. Um, let's see. What did I say last time? Uh, uh, well, you, you told us a little bit about how you got into the business, which yeah, was a pretty so, intriguing story. Uh, motorcycles. That's been my latest hobby that I got into a few years ago. Honor. And, uh, honor off-road. Uh, On-road. On-road. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like to ride uh, on the weekends and sometimes in the evenings and get away from life for a little while and uh just on the you know no phone calls no text messages right? does it bother oh, you no. um riding a bike wearing all of those clothes in 103 degree heat it is when you stop so the trick <laughs> is to, to try to keep going you know if you're going 70 miles an hour 
uh, they say the temperature is about 20 degrees less than what it really is outside. So if I'm doing 70 down the interstate uh, and it's 100 degrees outside, it feels like 80 to me, you know, or uh, to I, a rider. But once you, you once you stop, I used to ride motorcycles, believe it or not. But once you stop at a stoplight and you're surrounded by cars, and yeah, you're basically in an cooking. oven. You're cooking, yeah. You're in an oven. You're you're going to die. There's a motor between your legs as well. So I mean, if you've ever exactly. seen anybody split traffic, like split lanes in yeah. traffic. It's not because they're trying to get there faster. Just it's because they cool. don't want to cook. <laughs> well, that sounds they're like not... a good excuse for the police officer when they finally <laughs> get pulled over. Well, it's legal. Um, what's the intrigue behind that? Is this it, kind of being alone to your thoughts? What? Um, yeah, a little bit of that. Um, it's a good way to get away from what we all do every day, all, all day long, running around, you know, keeping up with the, the business and such, uh, to go ride out in the country on a weekend. Um, go up to Arkansas, ride some of the hills, trails up there on the roads. Uh, you're out in nature. And, you know, one thing when you're riding a motorcycle in nature is a little bit different than being in a car is you have all the smells and senses of being outside as yeah. well. So. Do you listen to music as you're driving? I do, sometimes. Nice. Bluetooth. Do you ever get on, like, uh, I, I'm totally ignorant to this, but do you ever get on, like, radio to other bikers or areas in the... Me and my girlfriend have a communicator, so we can we can talk while we're riding. Wow. Which is kind of kind of handy. I don't know that I messed that. up. Yeah. No, my wife doesn't watch this one, but I wouldn't want to be riding a bike and then still be talking to her at the same time. <laughs> no. It's pretty nice though, you know. Hey, we should pull over pretty soon. Okay. Oh yeah, I've got to use the bathroom, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Keep the chatter to a minimum, please. Right. I, I'm. <laughs> We're gonna go radio silent for the next two hours. <laughs> I was at a gas station, filling up, <clears throat> filling up my truck the other day, and there was a motorcyclist who pulled in, who was listening. To the radio as he pulled in to the pump next to me and it you know like the dash with speakers and a radio and all of that stuff and it's the first time in my entire life that i've heard a biker on a harley pull up to a gas pump playing nirvana it's always like waylon jennings or <laughs> yeah or leonard skinner yeah. or something yeah. from the 70s and 80s i heard a guy i was walking through walmart parking lot and a guy was coming through and it was huey lewis oh nice Nirvana, though. I mean, that's, Nirvana, that's yeah. That's me. That's like that's that's my age. That's unfortunately where if, we're going, buddy. If if, <laughs> if I rode a Harley, that's what I would be listening to. Yeah, that's where we're going. I I probably will not be participating in any triathlons anytime soon, though. You know, when we would be surprised at some of the Ironman, the 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 participants, or oh yeah, yeah, because you don't have to qualify to sign up for an Ironman. You just have and, to be brave enough to. Well, can they have spectators say, just like, sit on the side and enjoy the spectating? My wife is amazing at this event. Endurance spectating is, <laughs> is her gold medal. <laughs> oh, no. She will watch me race for. Does like she? Does she like heckle straight. people? I, I I I would hope that she absolutely heckles everybody. She makes signs that say, you know, keep going or smile if you peed on the so swim. Does she come to like all the different stopping points, get in a car and drive to the next spot, or? She go back to the hotel room, take a nap. He's debating a little, his answer. Little of column A, little of column B. She uh, <laughs> she does show up quite a bit, but I do imagine that it's kind of hard for her to sit around and wait for a couple hours, and then oh, there goes Michael. Okay, for, for thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and then she won't see me again for another couple hours, and then oh, there I go again, just running by. But I will say, some people they sign up for um, um, an event, and their only goal is to finish. So kudos. To that them. would be me for the first time trying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I didn't want to just finish that. I wanted to just to place win. So yeah. you know, put in a good time. I knew I wasn't going to podium or anything on a lot of the events that I enter. The very best time that I have running is on a treadmill, watching an hour long show on my iPad. They're running for Man, an hour. I'm really good then. That's hardcore though. <laughs> I'm really good then. We could turn on a little bit of Succession. I don't know if you've seen that that show on HBO. It's, oh, we're not plugging HBO, just to be. Fair. I feel right. like I'm too clumsy to do that because I'll catch like the wire or something if I'm not Bluetooth, and like smash everything goes you're flying. Not, you're not Bluetooth. Yeah. What? What well, are we? We're, we're technology experts, man. Wires? What, what are you kidding me? Hold on. I have Bluetooth. <laughs> is that on the bingo card. I keep the Bluetooth for whenever I'm just running outside. If I'm running inside, might as well yeah, not kill those wires. Batteries. Let's do it. Just plug that thing in, right? The other fun thing that we're doing today uh, is a fantastic idea. We're, we're doing bingo. So. Um, when you watch this, you're, you're gonna you're gonna hear some type of ding or notification that uh, we're all challenging each other. Basically, whoever wins at bingo today and has all of these words said is the best here at the show. I'm just just laying it out there. The winner it has nothing yeah, to do with best. pure luck you won or anything. The show, the show, <laughs> you won the podcast. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into some subjects. Um, some of the main points that we want to talk about today is uh, around audio technology, obviously and communications of those audio technologies. And a lot of you have probably heard about these uh, digital-based communications. They've been out for a while. And um, I think it's it's just gonna saturate the market. It's gonna be definitely something that everybody should be educated on. So we're gonna start with, with AVB. AVB is a term, and we're gonna let Mr. Hooper uh, define that for us. So what exactly is AVB? Okay, so AVB is not a communication protocol. It is a subset of IEEE standards. Um, <laughs> Where is AVB? Yeah, I apologize. What? Hold on. I apologize <laughs> to all of the viewers who might watch this on YouTube. We're going to be looking down, marking, all, uh, marking this stuff. This is competition. I'm not even listening to actually what you're saying. I'm just listening for <laughs> yeah. the words. So we're as sorry. long as you're listening, we're going right. to We're sorry if this is terrible because we are far too competitive. All right. I'm sorry, Mr. Hooper. I, IEEE, <laughs> I think, is where you left off at. Yes. IEEE um, set of standards, and you can go Google it, and it'll come up with a web page that's beautiful and will tell you all about 802.1BA, which is the umbrella term, and then a couple other letters after that that define thank you that define what the um, technology really has to be able to do so it's more or less like a cake recipe versus you're buying a cake you're just getting a recipe okay okay so um so i triple e why don't you just elaborate on that because you mentioned that as a term i don't think a lot of our viewers will understand what that means i triple e from what i understand and i will say i am not the expert at all, um, is a Sandbagger. governing body. Yes, is a governing body that basically defines what the standards are, that what you must be able to do or how you must be able to do this thing. Okay, it's international and it applies to pretty much everyone using yeah. networks, even the internet too. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And they kind of oversee everything. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. You you guys, as far as I know, it like you said, it's a it's a governing body. They handle network protocols, video and audio protocols, they handle exchanges on, on, on the network. They're, they're an overall governing body for a lot of things. So you'll, you'll hear oftentimes people will go, well, it's an IEEE standard. Stamp of approval. Yeah. I'm just going to go around and start saying that. 
tonight I'm supposed to cook. And my wife is going to be like, well, why don't you, why don't you do it this way? I, this is IEEE standard. So No, in, in, in that scenario, you would go, well, this is how the USDA approves me to do this work. <laughs> uh, we've known each other way too long, and she's going to totally just uh, knock yeah. that to the wayside. So uh, the cake recipe, sure. AVB, mm-hmm. that technology is built into products that allow for these communication and um, how these products intertwine with one another. You can't take an AVB piece and communicate with a Dante piece. That is correct. Um, The communication protocol for Dante is different than what AVB is. Um, AVB is interoperable with other AVB chipsets or cards that have been more or less given the stamp of approval from the Avenue Alliance, AVNU Avenue. (laughs) <laughs> catchy it's yes catchy. i know um and biamp is a member of that alliance they're not like a founding board member or anything like that those would be cisco and Harmon and a couple others is avb abbreviated for what um avb is abbreviated for audio video bridging and whenever we say avb it's relevant to us because we're in the av world AVB is so much more than just the AV world, though. It's time-sensitive networking outside of us. So if you're in the automotive manufacturing industry, you know it as TSN. Um, Cisco, for a while, I believe, was calling it DE or deterministic Ethernet. And it's just because nobody's really given it that catchy, catchy name. Gotcha. Um, at Biamp, you know, we, we just call it AV for Biamp or AV Bliss. <laughs> but um yes it stands for audio video bridging gotcha okay all right so let's uh look at the opposite side of that or not really the opposite side but just another technology dante sure so so define dante for us so dante is a standard for what well, has been audio over network but they have recently introduced uh, a video card that can be licensed and developed we can talk that about that a little bit more but it is actually the property of a company called Audinate. They started creating this uh, in the mid-2000s, I believe. They developed their own protocol, and they license the chipsets to any manufacturer who would like to pay them for them. Uh, they've now recently also introduced a, a software option where manufacturers can, can license it through software. Um, but it's a protocol that establishes a... Uh, you know, set of communication between audio devices currently um, with open discovery between everything. So one of the ideas behind the the Dante products is that when they're all in the network, they'll auto discover each other and they auto elect a clock. So it's supposed to be very plug and play compatible over standard network protocols um, and and standard switches that you would find in in the IT industry that are commonplace. Um, Where it differs from AVB is that AVB is a open standard um, which anyone can go look up the rules of how to be IEEE compliant and work with it. Uh, Dante is not. It is uh, has to be licensed um, from Audinate. So, gotcha. so um, with Dante, is Dante a lot like uh, HDBase-T where you have to buy the chipset from a specific manufacturer? Audinate sells the chipsets to the manufacturers. The manufacturers okay. put that in their products. So when you buy okay. something that has Dante on it, that manufacturer is already implemented the chipset or soon-to-be software in some cases 
and they've already developed it to work with their product, so it meets the, the standards and you know, firmware versions that are up to date with all the other Dante products on the market. So did they come up with a name by just jumbling up the letters in Audinate, or did they, like, read Don Quixote and <laughs> decide that they wanted something cool well, like just that. like everything, like Avenue, right? You know, they had to come up with something catchy, so they said, let's think of something that has digital audio, networking, transport, over Ethernet. Hey, Dante! People know that word, so I guess that's what they did. I can, like, okay. assume. Okay, it's a, it's a catchy name. It is. People like remember it. it, you know. AVB is equally as catchy, so that's Agreed. that's a big difference, though, between AVB as a standard and Dante is basically a licensed product correct so uh, i mean I, I guess i knew that i just didn't really compare the two as that relates so there really is no comparison other than the fact that they both have some level of audio transport capability that is true yeah and different characteristics of what they do and how they do it but they both transport lots of channels over the network um uncompressed with low latency so from my perspective, Dante seems to be the current, I, I don't want to say leader, but essentially the the manufacturer of that. It's most adopted platform. Yeah, most adopted. That's yeah. perfect. There's over 300 and something manufacturers mm -hmm. now, and I think close to 2,000 products that have Dante in them. Right. Um, and what's interesting, too, is a lot of manufacturers... Uh, Biamp included and some others that have a different protocol will include Dante options in their products as an edge network so that you can make that translation between, right. you know, the two different uh, products. They can get other sources into their, their ecosystem. Why do yep. you think that is? We have a lot of love it for Dante at Biamp. We are one of the world leaders in Dante, right. actually. Um, I will say why I think that is. Uh, you guys can agree or disagree with me if you want, but... Going back to the cake analogy, AVB is a recipe, and Dante is a cake. Do you want to buy the cake, or do you want to buy, or do uh, you want to make yeah. your own from a recipe? It's so much easier just to go buy the cake, and put it, the chipset in your product, and now guess what? You're a networked media device. Yeah, I mean, you don't did, have to develop the the AVB technology and chipsets and hire a bunch of really smart computer networking engineers to develop this for you and meet all of these standards, and then get your device tested, because to get the Avenue Alliance certification stamp of approval, you've got to go through and get testing. I mean, it's it's hard for us to get our own devices stamped for AVB Absolutely. certification. Yeah, the path to creating a Dante product is much quicker for a manufacturer. You know, they can turn that That makes quickly. a lot of sense, actually, uh, it, you know, especially from coming from companies who make products for a living. like what's fastest to market and will still get the get the job done. So Biamp has probably selected AVB on some of their products, not because it was the easier path, but, but, they, but because they thought it was a superior method in doing that work. So one of the stories that I like to tell about why we've selected AVB is simply because of what our backbone used to be for Audia. Audia Flex was our big chassis. I know I see you getting ready to write it because you know what I'm about to talk no, about. No, this is going. But with Robert's Audia, I feel like I'm killing it over here. The backbone was Cobranet. And we depended upon Cobranet for our device-to-device -device communication and device-to-other device communications. I had a complete Cobranet system at the AT&T Forming Arts Center because we had AudioFlex uh, DSPs and we had Rinkus Hine line arrays. 
and they both happened to have the Cobranet chipsets in them. And so we used a program called Disco or Cobranet Discovery. Uh, to Another more catchy or less, name. Yeah, Disco, right? <laughs> <laughs> to route all of our audio across the network. And it worked great at the time. Um, that was about the time that Peak Audio, who developed Cobranet, sold it to Sirius Logic. And about that time was when they were promising Cobranet 1000, which was one gig Cobranet. And I don't know what happened. I don't want to speculate, but Peak Audio, or Sirius Logic, I'm sorry, uh, never de- developed Cobranet 1000. It just kind of died. It kind of died. Now, Cobranet is still very prevalent in the industry. It's just not where we see it a lot. We interact with it probably all the time. Any airport you go to, all of the paging, all of the Robert Parsons get on your plane, it's about to leave, sort of gate paging versus full, you know, the 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 white zone is for parking or for loading and unloading. Those pages are all done over Cobranet systems. They're typically done with um, IED. They seem to be the, the leader in airports. At Biamp, we have a product called Bochia that we tend to do the same thing, but it also operates on a Cobranet backbone. And it's really great because the, the technology is very stable. It's not going anywhere. It hasn't changed in the last decade. It is what it is. But here's the thing. When Audioflex was trying to grow and expand, the technology stopped. And we were at the mercy of another company. And we didn't want that to happen again, so we chose to use an open standard for our technology backbone to communicate to all of our own devices. So we chose AVB. Okay. Staying on the subject of AVB, um, we've got a bullet point here that I think is very interesting. And it, it asks the question, is AVB traffic unicast or multicast oh that is a great question um yes i'm gonna write that down too um (laughs) sorry bingo Bingo. Bingo before i answer that i really i really do kind of want to establish what unicast and multicast is sure first of all so unicast if i was going to unicast my message to you guys think of it if i was going to write an email I would be writing an email to Clayton, to Robert, to Corey. And you can see how that might take a little bit more of my resources, me being like the sender or the switch or whatever it might be. And if it's a high bandwidth or it has a lot of content to it, so say it's like a full 4K video that I'm you know, writing or whatever and sending out, that's going to be very taxing on me. That's unicast. That's why unicast is you know, good and bad. I'm only sending one stream to the actual listener or to the end device. Mm-hmm. Multicast, on the other hand, is I draft this email and then I send it and I just carbon copy all of you guys. So everybody gets it. That's a good Whether analogy. Whether you want it that's or not. That's an amazing analogy. It's a, Can it's we stop? probably the better and, way I've heard it explained before. That's, everybody uses email, so it's. <laughs> I just came up with that too. I should write that you down. You really need to write um, that down. That, <laughs> now, the other thing is with that, you guys all get these carbon copy emails and you don't necessarily want them because they're no. not addressed to you or it doesn't pertain to you. But... You just got it. So imagine that. And then imagine, you know, there's like five of me or, you know, there's three other people that are all sending these multicast carbon copy emails to everybody on the network. Well, now it's starting to flood everybody's time because you're getting these emails from not only me, but Michael Hooper two and three and four. And so not only will it start to to annoy you, but it'll also start to bog down the entire network. So straight up multicasting, IT guys hate it because it's very taxing to the network. 
AVB is um, kind of a hybrid of it. It is a, a multicast stream, but it only sends to the listeners who have requested that stream. So if you don't want to subscribe to Michael Hooper and his email about bobbleheads, then I'm not going to send it to you. But I basically query all of the ABB devices on the network and say, hey, who wants to get an email about bobbleheads real fast? And then everybody that raised their hand, okay, you're all on CC, go. And I send it out to you guys. Excellent. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so another one that we had is how the AVB bandwidth is managed. How a customer can expect to, you know, because using your analogy, everyone wants that. You, you poll and now you're going to be sending all this out. A customer needs to understand if these devices, these microphones, these amplifiers, these DSPs are residing on their network, what's that mean to them? So IT guys are very scared of their their network and um, bandwidth that protective. they don't have. You know, they're not scared. scared. They're, they're I, just, I should like, say protective. They are yeah. very protective of their bandwidth. They don't want to relinquish control of any of it to anybody. So AVB, what we're doing here is we use MSRP, uh, multiple stream reservation protocol. And what that is doing is essentially, is that one of them? Stream reservation. All right, there we go. It's encapsulated. Okay. Um, you just gave that one away. I missed it. <laughs> I, I'm just so excited. I've only got one more. So don't look at my paper, Clayton. I see what you're doing over there. Are you leading the conversation to, to win? I would not do that. Of course not. So AVB, in a nutshell, reserves 75% of its stream for media traffic and the other 25% for whatever else. It can take that like reserve. Like control traffic? Yeah, for a controller, whatever else it might be. We're not saying that 75%. Can I pause you right there? <laughs> uh, this is a bingo. Oh my gosh. Show it to I the threw camera. I that pitch out there for you, Robert. Yeah, you so that. that was a softball it's if okay. I ever yeah. saw it. I'll be here all day. Look, here at, look at the horde of Biamp hat. You don't even know if it's Biamp. It's just a red dot. Red dot. Actually matches That's our it. company colors. Red too. Dot. It's perfect. My hair, I'm having a good hair day, so I'm not going to put it on right now. That's okay. We're going to keep playing for. <laughs> For, for like y'all yeah. should see who comes first in first uh, loser right second, second third fourth <laughs> second third fourth. i'm sorry go ahead man Either it way. was your idea for the, the game the, technically <laughs> I, you know we didn't you give know what, credit Robert, i already have one of those hats so it's okay okay all right sorry solid burn it's, it's we, totally we didn't good. actually give credit to the author of the bingo game i know it was mr hooper uh the bingo game was fantastic i don't know that the the viewers and listeners are they like I, why, why do they keep getting distracted why do they keep looking down and marking out their paper all right sorry we're go still ahead. playing here um oh, so back to bandwidth um the thing is we can reserve up to 75 percent of the stream it's not automatically reserved for avb the the whole stream is open for anything but whenever avb traffic comes in it's prioritized much higher than anything else which deals with traffic shaping across the network. So with AVB, you're looking at switches that basically have QoS that can prioritize every little packet into a hierarchy of, well, this is more important, and this is more important, and this is more important. And then after it's basically queued everything up, then it sends that, that data packet out to the network. And it's doing this so fast. Like, we don't realize how fast this is yeah. actually happening. But the low priority traffic is the only thing that if it gets overloaded or flooded, then that's going to get dropped. So the AVB traffic is at the highest priority. It's never going to get dropped. So your media is never going to blip out across your network. 
if you run out of bandwidth. So you're already totally like at the max. What happens in AVB is whenever I send out that, that query of, hey, who wants this stream? I also am sending out, who wants this stream? By the way, it's this big. This is the package. And the listener will send back, I would like that stream, but I can't accept the package that big. I can only accept this. And so that's how it tunnels through the network to figure out how it's going to get from point A to point B. And by doing that, we're effectively not able to crash your network. So the stream, we can't just overload your network by putting too much media on it. We're going to simply say, okay, Robert, that last thing that you wanted to send, nobody can accept it because the network is already full. So you just hang on. And everything else on the network is going to operate just as it normally would. But in other protocols or, um, I guess, media over the network, where it's just best effort delivery, you don't understand who is on the network and how much bandwidth is already being consumed. You're just throwing your emails out there too, not realizing that nobody's actually getting them and nobody's reading them because we're all at maximum capacity. We can't read your email. So um, just staying on the topic of AVB, since they are, you know, we're, we're talking about network, we're talking about devices on a network. If a customer wants to and has accepted um, the AVB solution from us, and let's say that that includes multiple DSPs, multiple microphones, multiple speakers, multiple amplifiers, and they want to, to stand this up on their network, are there particular style switches, network switches that are required I, I for have AVB? I the conversation for a moment. Oh, oh my gosh. Second yeah, place. Just, Second place. If you're not first, you're last. It only took us 30 minutes to get two winners. That's, that's and both good. times we've interrupted Hooper I, in the process. I, I'm impressed. I, I think uh, a lot of credit, like you said, goes to the person that made it. Mm -hmm. um, because had he not uh, made it in such a way to lead the conversation, he had no idea we were going to have the conversation <laughs> to cover all these words. I'm so excited. Uh, sorry. I'll get you a hat too, Clayton. Okay. I don't know so, if you can wear it, but... Yeah. <laughs> so network he can wear switches. it when he's riding his bike. <laughs> um, network switches requirements for AVB. Yes, so there is a requirement for AVB in network switches. It has to have the ability to prioritize that traffic, like I said, and not every switch has is smart enough to do this. So there are... Well, let's, let's be fair. Very few switches have this there's approximately 25 from cisco um a smaller number from netgear package control 4 motu presonus but i would be remiss if i didn't plug our own we have a device called tessera connect now which is a small avb poe switch for connecting tessera devices together thus tessera connect um but yes Think of it like this, um, 10 years ago, maybe longer, VLANing switches. That was something that you had to ask for. You had to say, you know, will this switch be able to VLAN? And now you wouldn't think of a switch that couldn't VLAN as anything that you would actually buy because it's just inherent to the, the standards that we're operating under nowadays. So it, it is something that will eventually just become part of what you buy your switch is totally capable of this. And right now, some companies charge you a license to upgrade the, the firmware to make it AVB compatible. Some already have it built in. I will say, like, 
I personally like the switch from PackEdge, the S3L. It's cost efficient and it does everything that we need it to do at a really great point. And for AV guys, I like this the best. The ports are on the back. It's <laughs> you a little bit cleaner. You wouldn't believe how much that just makes a big difference to, to me whenever I have small traveling racks and the racks are full of equipment, I don't have to have one RU just dedicated for passing cables through to the front side or I don't have to install the switch on the back because sometimes these are very short racks and they don't come with back rails. So you, you, you mentioned something there in the last statement about licensing. We've yep. seen a couple of reports come out about licensing fees for AVB. Can you, can you touch upon where that's applicable the customers, is it is it a customer cost? Is it coming through a pro AV dealer? How, how does that work? So if you're using extreme network switches or Netgear switches, you can't simply just buy an extreme network switch off of the shelf and expect it to work. It has to have a license for AVB traffic. That's not the case with every switch out there. I know for a fact that like the switches I try to recommend they don't include that, you know, like the Motu switch is a very small cost efficient switch that it's just an AVB switch. I mean, that's the model number, AVB switch. So some of them are a lot easier than others, but right now there are a few licenses that you well, have to pay. They're attempting to recover their R&D costs sure. to add mm -hmm. AVB functionality, and it's probably not a primary seller for them. So rather than penalize the entire marketplace for the few they're you know they're keeping their cost points efficient by doing it from a licensing model I, me personally i'm not a fan of the licensing model because then i have to remember to keep up with it keep up with that or now. buy the license uh, i believe it's just a one-time purchase for all of these I yeah that was think. my next question yeah. so it's a, it's a one-time purchase it's not and it, it's per switch it's not necessarily per port Yes, I believe it's per switch. Okay. So is there a location maybe on Biomp's website or somewhere else that you know of, I'm not trying to put you totally on the spot, no, where no, we can it. find switches yes. that are recommended by Biomp for AVB? So if you Google AVB switch, the mm -hmm. very first link that pops up is going to be a link to our support website that is just a list of switch manufacturers and the models that they make that are AVB. That's great. How up to switch. date is that? Uh, last I looked, it wasn't very up to date. Um, the applications engineers try to keep that fairly up to date. So you should see updates on that list probably about once a quarter. Okay. Um, but then again, keep in mind, just because I say it's an AVB switch does not necessarily mean that it has the Avenue Alliance stamp of certification on there. Sure. For example, that Motu switch that is model number AVB switch, that's actually not an Avenue Alliance certified device. So you can use it. We use it quite often in smaller deployments. But if something goes wrong, there is no stamp of approval that this is an interoperability standard or this piece has passed testing. And I believe that Motu, and I don't want to say anything <laughs> bad about Motu. Great company. Love their products. Well, we've used their product a number yes, of times. Have. I don't think that they really cared that you know they were getting their switches out in Biamp deployments. They made a switch so that all of their devices could talk to each other. And that's what they were concerned with. And they were also concerned with time synchronicity and things like that, which are very important to AVB. Yeah, you know, outside of the AVB switch from Motu, I'm not very familiar with Motu as a company anyway. I know that they're not 
a switch manufacturer by trade. Audio interfaces primarily for recording that are large in the okay. recording industry. Stands for Mark of the Unicorn is where that comes from. Okay. And so in the earlier days of digital audio Wait, when there were what? Why isn't Mark of the Unicorn on this list? It totally should be on there. And I will say I only learned that maybe a year and a half ago and then somebody told me that that's what Motu stood so for and I was like, no, you're they wrong. You were one of the first companies no to really translate a lot of digital audio uh Types of formats that were being used back in the late 80s, early 90s, at the dawn of time when Pro Tools ran the recording studio. I know this because I worked in a studio, and yeah. we used Pro Tools, and we had Motu interfaces. And Very cool. Anyway. Uh-oh. Dig. Third place has oh, been awarded. Way, mm-hmm. you, you did ask me about ports, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Um, so I think what we've heard so far with, with AVB is that there's a lot of education to be had. I mean, I don't think that... Uh, a lot of customers understand this, but we're here to guide you through it. Um, so it, there's a lot to think about around it. And I, what I'm hearing Mr. Hooper say is that it's going to become more and more of a standard, not necessarily ABB, but but how the traffic is done, what switches are acceptable to have that style of traffic. So what I'd like to do is kind of get the opposite side of that coin with Dante and kind of ask the same questions. Um, can, you, can you tell us? Clayton, if, if Dante is a unicast or multicast style of communication? So it's unicast by default. Uh, but there's a software application that Audinate released called Dante Controller, which allows users to select the routes, um, routes, whatever, between transmitters and receivers. So if you only select uh, what they call it a subscription in Dante Controller, you know, this transmitter only goes to this receiver, that's going to be unicast traffic. Um, the moment I select multiple receivers for a single transmitter, it creates a multicast stream. It's kind of like what Michael was talking about with the email example, which was really, really good. And I'm probably going to borrow that before you try to license it or patent it. <laughs> so what you're describing is much like a There's a ma- guy in the mail room yeah, who's, subscribing who's to sorting, a newsletter. He's deciding who's going to get these, yeah. these subscriptions. And that's how Dante manages bandwidth. Um, you know, it only creates multicast traffic if it needs to. Obviously, if, if something only needs to go to one place, it's a unicast stream and uh, manages it that way. Um, latency is very low on the Dante network, but that is one thing. There you go, Corey. I'm trying, I'm man. Still, trying I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm still in it. I... <laughs> wow. I've got like 10 minutes to work all the rest of these words in. Uh, we're going to get them. Um, so, um, but latency can suffer when bandwidth is maximized in Dante. Um when you have a lot of channels uh, and a lot of multicast traffic. Um, so it'll adjust. You can set latency specific to certain devices in the network uh, all the way down to, I think it's 150 microseconds up to about one millisecond, and it will adjust that latency as necessary. And keep in mind, uh, and this is one of the questions I have for Michael just because I've never actually known, but uh, Dante is 512 bi-directional channels of audio. That's right. its capacity. Most Dante networks are not carrying 512 bi-directional channels so they're not going to approach a lot of that maximum bandwidth you know what is the avb or is there actually a maximum to avb it, it you know, really let's is stay at the standard dependent. sample resolution too let's not talk about like some people that try to deploy at different resolutions but bandwidth it, dependent it's going to depend on your network and your gotcha. bandwidth so one of the things that avb really came out and said was we're not going to be limited by a hard number yeah we want we want to have it explains many, why I've never seen one as many as possible. I've Googled it. 
So yeah, you can Google it and you'll come up with some numbers, but it's also going to be specific to the bandwidth, the the actual media that's being transported. Because, I was going to say, yeah, AVB has a video component, so yeah, right. we're, whereas you could, not. yeah, you could, I mean, but it now could, right, with this new card that they're they're selling to manufacturers and see how long it takes to get out into the market, but um. So, Let me wrap my head around what you said about, did you say 512? Bi-directional channels. So is okay. there a chipset that can send and receive 512? Or there is, is that, not. That's the, that's the, the network maximum limitation, okay. limitation for, for Dante. No, the largest chipset uh, is the Brooklyn 2 chipset that they manufacture. It's typically shown as being 64 channels bi-directional at a standard 48 kilohertz sampling yeah. rate. Um, however, it... Dante is really more about flows than channels, which is what I think AVB calls streams. So cards are, I'm trying, man, trying. We didn't put flows on the bingo card, but a flow is a transmission of audio packets that can contain up to four channels of audio. doesn't have to have four channels of audio, but it can. And really the chipset limitation is based on the number of flows that they can do per chipset. So the Brooklyn 2 is capable of 32 by 32 flows. Um, so, you know, getting up to that 512 channel count, uh, you do have to add additional cards into the ecosystem. You rarely would have a device that would have that many transmit or receive fl uh, flows, you know. Um, sounds like a, a fun design, though. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing about Dante that um, <clears throat> is advantageous for it and why a lot of people choose to use it um, and not just in comparison to AVB, I'm just talking about as a protocol by itself, it's layer three protocol, which means it can transverse switches and routers on a network. So it can work on a wide area network. Um, and it so can it's actually, not VLAN dependent. It doesn't have to live within one particular subnet. Uh, the traffic talking to each other needs to be within one specific subnet uh, if it's in the same domain. I mean, there's a product or a uh, function of Dante now called Domain Manager, okay. uh, which allows Dante to traverse subnets over a network. Um, it does require some setup on the network. We've Obviously, only ever... you know, he talked about QoS, quality right. service, uh, PTV values have to be in place. But QoS is important for any kind of media over IP. I mean, even VoIP settings are dependent upon QoS. Right. Um, We've only ever deployed it into single VLAN environments purposefully. And typically, whether it's AVB or Dante or other video, uh, other video products that we've used, we're we're kind of segmenting that traffic into a particular VLAN so that it can be managed kind of on its own little, sure, its own yeah. little island. And it doesn't exclude it from having access to the internet or other devices on other subnets, uh, but those devices don't communicate or multicast or unicast traffic outside of that particular that particular VLAN. That's probably been the thing that Robert and I and the other design engineers and sales folks have the hardest time explaining to network engineers uh, when it comes to video or audio traffic over their network is why it can't translate between subnets at all or reliably. And really, it comes down to further explaining to them how multicast traffic and unicast traffic work. It's not a limit of uh, limitation of the product so much as it is the type of traffic and the bandwidth involved. And 
network flooding and and a, mm -hmm. a whole other host of host of issues. But when you made that comment earlier, it made me think that there is a method to doing that. It sounds like they're they're working on that. Yeah, they've launched Dante Domain Manager. Uh, it's okay. really its intention is for large venues, um, large campuses. You know, think of a, a house of worship that's got sanctuary, overflow rooms, youth rooms. Um, they want audio to pass in between there and the broadcast studio. Mm -hmm. um, we're a large performing arts center that has multiple stages. They want to pass audio around. <clears throat> a really good example is at the University of North Texas. They have a couple of recording studios there. And, of course, it's a huge music school. And there's tons of, of performance venues out there. Um, they're all tied together over a Dante network to get everything from anywhere back to any of the three recording studios they use. So they record every student recital performance there. And Dante is done over the wide area network of the campus over fiber, you know. Hmm. Now, well, you, you, know, you know, one of the one of the things that people say real quick about uh, Dante is that it's plug and play. And to make sure that was on there. I'm uh, done. I still don't I, think I don't know that. if we need to remind the viewers. And, and so, I, I, in, in a, in like the I, I still, you, by the way, have not have not won. And and Clayton has been gracious enough to give me, I think, three or four words. Ryan, I can't in his see your last... paper from over I feel there. Like that we're at a convergence of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that word is on there, and and that certainly makes me fourth place loser. Um, but explain, and I'm I'm sorry. Explain to me how convergence ended up on the bingo sheet. <laughs> This was this was late last night. Um. <laughs> he needed one more one more word. Oh, he was no. like, "I have this last empty square." Yeah. I am looking over at your sheet too, and I see that you've got 4K on here, and I don't think anybody else had 4K. And I oh. took that off of everybody else's because I was like, "Well, we're not going to talk about video." I, I want to point so out. I think that you might have. Had I want to point out that drafts. this bingo card was in front of me when I sat down. Ooh, it was not randomly selected from <laughs> a a. a I think Corey's mind just uh, changed from being, hey, I really like AVB to I really like Dante. So, so Clayton, we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about AVB over here or Dante over here. Uh, so, Clayton, another question, like like we asked, Mr. Hooper, um, are there particular network switches that are required for Dante communication? Uh, well, they need to be gigabit at minimum and managed although you can run dante on fast ethernet switches which are 10 100 switches which is something that cobranet could only run on you know it couldn't exceed 10 100 uh, although it's hard to find 10 100 switches out there really anymore so it doesn't really matter but that's i think 32 channels of less or some certain number of flows less you can do on 10 100 but as long as it's gigabit managed um you need to be able to turn off the green ethernet uh mode you know where where the switch Port goes into sleep mode essentially. Yeah, you know that's probably typical of I'm sure the AVB switches too. You know, audio traffic that's being clocked doesn't like the port to go to sleep. Um, anyway, there's a couple settings you have to have on there. As long as the switch can do that, then it can be Dante compatible. They used to have a blacklist of switches on their website, which I think they still do, although it's really really out of date. It's a couple years old. Basically now, Audinate just says these are the requirements. You make, know, make sure on your own that, that that's right because that there's too many out there. Right. You know. Which is one of the other things that they sell as the platform is that the switches are inexpensive and easy to find. I can't know. think of a, a layer two or a layer three switch made today, manufactured right now, that wouldn't support Dante. There's not many. Um, I've heard of a few that have that have popped up over and over. You know that people have tried to use. 
Uh, there was a series of Netgears, the ProSafe series. Okay. That was, uh, you know, not really. today still? Uh, that was a couple years ago. Oh. I think those have been phased out and replaced by something else. But that's another thing that Dante sells for the platform. You know, not just the, it discovers everything on the network easily. It's plug and play, which, you know, in the sense of a one switch, like what you're talking about deploying, it is relatively plug and play. Now, if I'm going up to the example of the University of North Texas, where I'm tying all these rooms together over a wide area network over fiber, that's that's not quite so plug and play. You know, that takes some setup on the network side um, to do it. But I think the the thing, and this has just kind of come to me now, <laughs> with with Dante being a chipset and soon to be software and licensed through Audinate. Uh, every manufacturer that makes a product with Dante in it is is handcuffed by that particular manufacturer. So if they stop improving that product, then it limits other manufacturers' abilities to continue to improve their product as well. Whereas if you're basing your products off of a particular standard, uh, again, the, the, the development time is longer, R&D time is longer, but you kind of own that intellectual right and you can continue to improve upon your Which product. Which is what happened to Biamp with the audio product. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, there's, a, there's another protocol we haven't even brought up. I'm just going to throw out there real fast. It's called AES67, AES70, which is an open yeah. standard protocol, much like AVB, in fact, that you adhere to these IEEE standards. And Audinate, in order, I think, to not phase themselves out of the marketplace, uh, the new chipsets are AES67 compatible, so it can be turned on for users who are using that. Well, that was um, going to be my question mm -hmm. is, what is Audinate going to do to not become Cobranet? That's interesting. I guess we'll see. I guess adding the video is one thing. Uh, there are some new products coming out that are 96 kilohertz uh, with Audinate. Um, so Alan and Heath has some what they're calling Super Dante cards that improve the resolution um, over the network without changing the bandwidth of the network. Um, and that's, you know, in live audio performance audio, that, that sampling rate's a big deal um, for a lot of people. So we'll see. Um, you know, there are some updates coming there. I mean, I know that AVB's got some updates, too. There's something called Telos. Or no, no. Uh, Milan. And we, many... We could do a whole nother thing. I know. <laughs> yeah. and, which I have Milan. questions about, but we'll do that off air. You know, and companies like L Acoustics and Meyer, you know, high-end performance audio systems are, are part of this Milan. You know, so both platforms are changing constantly right and we'll see where they go with it you know to touch on that like with the the big audio manufacturers like eloku 60 mb meyer um i know that we have to wrap up soon but i just wanted to, to you're good take your time to mention the reason why we're seeing more of these big audio guys start adopting avb and also joining the milan um, committee which is helping develop the standards for everybody's interoperability um it has to do with the way that AVB works with synchronicity and that across a network. So, um, and I'm not exactly sure how Dante handles this, so maybe you can correct me when I'm wrong, but let me tell you about AVB. Whenever I want to send a broadcast message out, and we are all going to broadcast the same message, if I were to write something down on a piece of paper and just send it across the network and say, okay, broadcast this, and I pass it to Corey, and he broadcast it and passed it to Robert, and Robert broadcast it and passed it to Clayton. It's not synchronized at all. It's going to be very, very just independent 
as far as the actual broadcaster. So if we were all a speaker, like one box of a line array system, that would not go well because you would have phasing and it wouldn't sound very good at all. So the next step would be, you know, network sync. So have some sort of clock, right? So if I sent my message out and I said, okay, broadcast this at exactly 11 o'clock or whatever it might be, then I pass it over to, to Corey and he says, okay, I got the message. I know exactly what time to broadcast it. He passes it along and we're all looking at our wristwatches and we all broadcast at 11 o'clock. We didn't actually synchronize together. So our 11 o'clocks might be closer in time, but not exact. Where AVB more or less sets itself apart is having the network synchronicity of all the devices together use a grandmaster, which I know that Dante does as well, but it's not dependent upon the end devices. It's actually dependent on network time. So your network time, which is what's holding everything together from the switches, not just the end devices, is saying, okay, everybody's going to broadcast at 11 o'clock, and we're using this clock here that we can all see as the grandmaster clock, and that's how we're more or less oh, broadcasting that it. Exactly. <clears throat> that type of functionality has been present in the server world for a long time. I mean, they're, they're using that. We're using that here for all of our servers to continue communicating. They all run off of a synchronous clock. It's, it's not that different. Uh, hey, just a fact. All of our headphones is digital audio. Dante, in this case. I got a question around that um, to kind of wrap things up. I want to know how long I'm going to ask each of you, and, I, and I'll go with you first. Do you think that we're at a point in time where we can say that in X amount of years, gone are the days of having the the phoenixes on the back of mixers and the XLR connections and how far away are we from, in your opinion, I mean, it's just, it's just a guess. From the sunset of analog Yeah, the sunset of analog audio. Um, I think that there will always be a few small pieces that may have to have it for specialty interfaces. Let's say, I, I could be wrong. Probably you know, rental and staging, probably events sure, and wired yeah, microphones yeah. here and um, there. You know, you think about connecting, you will come in and just be able to plug in a device a laptop or something without having to log into a, some sort of plug, future plug, protocol or something. In. Exactly. What? Um, so there's <laughs> HDMI cable audio, something like uh, that. But for the most part, I think we're not that far away from, um, you know, everything from the microphone, the input transducer, to the loudspeaker at some point um, being over the network. Now, loudspeakers that require a lot of power, that's going to be difficult. You're still going to have, you know, speaker cables and output cables to handle, I think, higher power loads because it's hard to do that over an Ethernet cable. But um, I don't think we're that far off. You're dancing around the answer. Okay. You've got to give a number of months or years. Sure. So um, I'm going to say, you know, obviously within a decade, that would be conservative. Okay. okay. And what, what it do you could think? be, you know, half that time. I'm going to say November 18, <laughs> 2024. Corey's writing it down. I know. I'm going to put it that in my this is, calendar. This is the closest without going over, right? We need to make sure <laughs> well, that and I mean, uh, like, we have another podcast scheduled for that. <laughs> Got it. That's, that's the day. That's the day. And where I see things going is simply this. Like, I mean, I represent a DSP manufacturer. DSP's on there. 
<laughs> I, I, I've and given up. right now, it seems like, yes, everything plugs into the DSP. That's the, that's the beating heart of your system. Well, it's still going to be the beating heart of your system, whether or not it's a software that you subscribe to that lives on a server somewhere in an IDF closet and your microphone simply just plug into the network and your speakers plug into the network. For example, like Biamp, we're almost already there. We've got our our DSP that is located in the IDF closet somewhere else. Well, as long as you have an ABB network capability, then plug your microphones into the network with a Cat5 cable. Plug your speakers or amplifiers into the network with a Cat5 cable and just point them at each other. You don't necessarily need anything else. Plug the VoIP into the network or plug the network into the DSP or the server or whatever it might be. Like everything is kind of just migrating that way and we're getting closer and closer with every Infocom. We're just getting closer and closer to, there's no more like, Phoenix connectors. Yeah. There's no more captive screws I was in a going meeting, into this, going to that. It's all just... I was in a meeting yesterday and, and trying to talk to a customer that, that is really just, um, you know, it, it, not to their, to their own fault. It's just they've gotten accustomed to things and it's kind of hard for them to understand that this is, you know, forcefully the way that things are going. And I use an analogy of a printer. You remember a printer 20 to 25 years ago? That would physically interface with the computer that you are printing from. There would there would be a USB connection, or there would even be uh, some type of big I don't know Amphenol multi-tooth connector. And then somebody said, "There's no way that we're going to be able to have a printer on the network. It's just not going to work." It's it's kind of the same thing if you really if you really think about it. It's just going to be that way because it's more efficient and. Um, I think it's going to just offer up a lot more ability for expansion for customers. Um, so that's just about all the time we have for today. We really appreciate you guys coming on. We had a great time. I love the well, bingo. Hang on, we got we got one more thing we got to cover. We have one more thing. We got one more thing. It's National Joke Day, and so you guys are currently being put on the spot. Uh, who wants to go first to tell their best? G-rated joke. I think the rookie should go first. Yeah, good call. Rook. <laughs> All right. Why don't seagulls fly over the bay? Why? Because then they'd be bagels, and bagels can't fly. Nice. It's not laugh-worthy, but it's certainly smirk-worthy. <laughs> I, I I love to laugh, so it's going to be... This is a competition. I don't know if you guys picked Bye. up on that. Oh. There will be a clear winner. The, the clear winner. I, all jokes just left my head. So I always resort to musician jokes in that okay. point. So okay. I was going to say, what do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? What? A drummer? Homeless. <laughs> oh, Assuming, man. you know, anyway. Uh, I like it. All I right. I like it. On, on two, who, who, who do you select? One, two. It's Can't a be a draw. That's a draw. Well, are you not going to tell a joke, too? No, I'm not going to tell a joke. Oh, I'm going to tell a joke. Go I'm ready. the host. Yeah, what do you got? Um, let me go through my repertoire. It can't, be a, a dad, it can't be a dad joke. <laughs> That's all I know. I've got three girls. Um, all right, here's one around girls going back to school. Why didn't the antelope want to go to school? Because there are too many cheetahs. <laughs> okay, well, I know, crowd. I know who is not the winner. <laughs> yeah. 
I uh, might have come in last on bingo, but I could not tell a joke and still win. Uh, thank you so much for viewing and listening. We hope you learned a little bit about the different technologies out there for audio communication uh, and algorithms. And I hope that you understand that this is the way the future is going. We'd love to talk to you more about it, understand how to help build your best audio environment. And um, if you'd like to hear more about these subjects or anything else related to the podcast, please email us at info at touristechinc.com. Again, thank you, Mr. Hooper. Thank you, Mr. Mills. Thanks for having us. Um, for myself and Corey Church, y'all have a great day.